Hey, I'm Dr. Laura Berman, a sex and relationship therapist. And for the past three decades, I've been helping people learn how to love and be loved better. That's what we're doing here on The Language of Love, where I get to answer calls and emails from people just like you. My goal with The Language of Love is to help you discover more meaningful, emotional, and physical intimacy, and to help you build more awareness of how precious and sacred your sexuality really is. Be sure to email me or reach out with your very own love-sex relationship questions, and I might just answer them live on the air. It's time we all become fluent in the language of love. I'm excited to introduce you to our guest this week on the language of love, Erin Claire is a human design expert. We're going to talk about what the heck that is, because as someone who geeks out on this sort of thing and knows way too much about why I should say way too little about way too many things, human design is something I've kind of been circling around, but haven't ever dived into. So I'm really excited to dive into this along with you guys and definitely let us know if you want to learn more about this after today or what questions you have. Aaron's work has been in Forbes, Mind, Body, Green, Well and Good, Nylon, so many different podcasts, has been working in the field for a long time. I actually came at you or came to you, Erin, through uh, my producer, Sam, who, who knew about your work. And she's like, would you be interested in human design? And I said, okay, I'm so interested. But first of all, let me say thank you for being here. But second of all, what the hell is human design and you know what's important about it? Yes. Well, first, thank you for having me. Thank you, Sam, for making that happen. Second, human design is a system based on your time, date, and place of birth that reveals how you're uniquely wired to thrive in business and love and in life. So it really, it's not predictive in any way. It just helps you understand like, how are you meant to make decisions and how do you best collaborate with others and how do you best partner and build a business and work within teams and everything. It really gives us kind of each our own roadmap and own operating manual. What is the difference or what are you reading differently? How does it work differently than, let's say, astrology? I know one way, obviously, is that astrology can be predictive and human design isn't. And we're going to see what my human design is. But I gave Aaron my time and date of birth and location of birth, which is all you need, right? And it's sort of like an astrologer. But what are you looking at? The, the astrologer is looking at where the stars were or the planets and everything when I was born. You can see how much I understand astrology, the way I describe it, right? So what do you do in human design? I mean, honestly, the shortest answer is that it's a different system. It's like, I'm not looking at a natal chart. Yeah. When I enter the information, like the human design algorithm will really kind of just map out how the energy is moving in your body. And so human design does pull from astrology, but it also pulls from the chakra system and the Kabbalah and the I Ching. And so it kind of pulls from all these very powerful systems kind of into one to give us a blueprint to how we operate best. And who made it? Who pulled all that together? His name is Ra Uhuru Hu. He's no longer alive. He founded or human design came to him in 1987 and like in a very mystical way, he basically kind of channeled the system. He was like walking home one night and like basically received all this information that he spent the next 20 years building out. It's like not a thing that can come from us analyzing people. Um, but it, it's such an in-depth system. It is such a kind of endless rabbit hole. And also like it's a tool. So I always remind people like, take it if it feels useful, support a resonant, like if it doesn't throw it away. So it is very mystical and that it does come from the stars and all this other, other stuff. But like 
it's actually incredibly grounded and applicable in like the way that we can actually use it in our lives. Okay. So we're going to get into the specifics in a minute, but I find this so fascinating as someone, because the way that my mind works, I love creating systems and algorithms, as you say, right? Like that's a way that I geek out. So, you know, that's honestly what led to quantum love. Like I'll start figuring something out in my own life. I'm like, oh, there's a system here if you do this. And and so I can see, and I sometimes, I mean, I've never gotten one as complicated as human design seat is, but I, through those more inspired moments, or even sometimes in meditation, you know, I call them downloads, right? I can't imagine. It sounds like an extremely complicated algorithm and how you did it. Cause I know this existed before the computer program, just like natal charts. People used to do your natal chart by hand. Now there are computer programs that do it for them. They still need to use their skills and techniques to read it. Right. And it's the same thing with human design. But like, how would you do this before the computer program? People could write it. When we we built our own kind of chart calculator, and that was honestly, we just pulled from NASA and kind of like all this powerful information in the sky and all the things that are what, what's happening and a couple other things. But it's a crazy algorithm. It's, it's so complicated. So I would not be able to do it myself but on paper. And I wonder if people are still doing that. It's such a good point. But right now, like my focus is very much like once the chart is here now, what is all the information I can glean to kind of offer people? And so my guess, the reason I'm spending so much time here is because for someone who's like me, who's only heard about human design or like a lot of people here today, you know, who've never heard of it before, right? For you who uses the program and who is an expert in this, you have such confidence in the algorithm And I think that's what we'll see. Perhaps I'm going to be really interested in what your reading of me is or your human design reading. If it's really spot on, my guess is that's what happens, that people are not sure, okay, there's this human design thing and it's this algorithm that includes chakras and astrology and earth magnetic pulls and blood, I mean, all different kinds of things. And even if it doesn't really make sense, the way it breaks down my personality feels really accurate. I think that's if you're interested and maybe you even know of some good places and I'll give your information at the end. But if you're interested in human design, you could even like look up. They have human design of celebrities, for instance, or public figures, or it's interesting to see how accurate or not accurate it is. Right. Because once you see how accurate it is, then you are like, okay, this is a real thing. Yeah. I mean, I think what I would say is like human design is a tool. Like I'm really not in the business of convincing people of anything. Like I don't see it as a belief system. I think that like the question that feels most relevant to me and to my clients is not like, is this true, but is it useful? And I think that's the magic of it, you know? And I think that it's really whatever you believe of human design, like it really gives us a language and a framework to think about how we operate best and how those around us operate best. And I think that's so useful. It also reminds us that we're all wired to operate so differently. We are. And that can be really helpful in relationships because if you and your partner, I'm sure we very often, uh, we'll have to see what my husband's human design is and then see how, how to navigate. I could probably guess his much more easily than I could guess mine. All right. So let's see. I gave you all my deets. Yes. And we put it into the human design algorithm and now we're going to play with it. So I'm so excited. Just go. <laughs> if you want to look up your design, you can go to humandesignblueprint.com and enter your information and what you'll see. And what I'm looking at for you is you'll see a very weird looking chart with like nine different shapes and some are colored in. There are numbers, there are arrows. And like, it really is a map of how the energy moves in your body. 
what's consistent, what's not. And so the very first thing I will, and there are like bajillions of configurations. So it's like human design is not a thing where you're like, oh, we have the same design. Like you might have similar aspects, but like everyone is so unique. So at the highest level, there are five different types in human design. And the type speaks to how you best use your energy, but also how to create the most aligned opportunities in your life. So that's what I would start with. So you are a generator in human design. Okay. So what that means is that you kind of are meant to have all this like powerful energy to like build and create and make things happen. And like, you're really just meant to be really lit up by what you do. Like when you're lit up and on fire by like what you're working on and who you're working with, like your energy is so magnetic and like spills over and like lifts up everyone around you. And so I would say like, you've got all this capacity to do, but one of your biggest lessons is prioritizing your own excitement, your own joy, and seeing that not as a selfish choice, but actually as the thing that allows you to have like the most positive uplifting impact in the world. Another big lesson for generators is around boundaries. Like, because you have all this natural vitality and energy, people can really want to like get in on it, you know, and experience it. And the idea is that like, if you're saying yes, just because you think you should, because you're like, I have the energy, I might as well do it. Like no one benefits. I've been learning that. Your people will be attracted to your capacity. So it's like not surprising that you're going to have to like learn how to say no in that way. But it's like, unless you're full-bodied, yes, I would just say in general, like not the right thing or not the right time yet. That's so funny that you say that because that has been my mantra for the past year. Literally those words, it does it or does it not give me a full body? Yes. And people look at me and are like, what do you mean a full body? Yes. And I, but you know what I mean by a full body? Yes, I do. So that is literally how I make every decision from what I'm going to eat for dinner to whether I'm going to take my kid to soccer practice or make my husband take him or make him find a ride, like everything. Do I have a full body yes to it or not? And it really, what I've learned, by the way, and we're sidetracking, but this is an important lesson, I think, for everyone, regardless of your design, because we all fall prey of, to this a little or a lot, is that when you really set those, like my fear as, and this is probably in my design too, but as someone who tends not to have boundaries and grew up codependent and is still recovering from that, you do feel really selfish or worry about disappointing people, or even my kid worrying about making him somehow feel unloved or uncared for. But every single time I hold that boundary, when I don't have a full body, yes, every single time the person totally understands I have a lot more energy for them and the other capacities, I have a yes to it. And those few people who don't understand are, I really don't want in my life anyway. And they just kind of skip off into the sunset. Okay. So let me just back up for a minute. We're going to get back to me, but you say there's five types. I'm a generator. What are the other types? So there are also manifesting generators, which are very similar. Some people group these types together. Uh Also masterful creators, doers, but also tend to be like very multi-passionate, like having their energy in a lot of things at once, moving very fast, pivoting quickly. We've got projectors who are kind of like the leaders, the guides, not here to be doers. Their energy is really going to ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. Often really kind of love guiding, supporting, teaching others, really good at asking the right questions. Mm. We have manifestors, which are kind of like the initiators and the disruptors, the ones that like kind of that's Sam, I think. I think Sam, our producer. Oh, really? Sam, are you come in here and tell us? I thought you were a manifester, Laura, but I'm a projector, which actually fits well with what you're saying too, and how I help with podcasts. So yeah. Yeah. 
really good at systems projectors, really kind of kind of good at organizing and guiding systems. But one thing I would just say is it's really good to make projectors feel really recognized. We're recognizing you, Sam. Why? Because they feel sad or because they won't take up their space. It's more around the fact that because they're not here to be like doing all the time, like it's really important that people recognize like their gift and how they see things and how they do things. And like, they just feel really valued for that, you know, and that's what kind of gives us energy. I really value. I didn't know they were projectors because I'm so not that I like am embarrassed at how bad I am at that. And so when someone is really good at that, I'm so appreciative. As you say, generate like I can't generate without a projector. (laughs) It's impossible. Yeah. So, yeah, we appreciate you. You projector, Sam. I have one more type really quickly just to not leave them out is a reflector and reflectors are kind of the collective mirrors, people that are super sensitive to their, their physical space and always kind of mirroring and magnifying the space that they're in. And so it's really important for them to be ruthless curators of their space. And also around just like knowing that similar projectors, like they just like see and sense things that so many people miss. Yeah. And so it's really important for them to kind of be in environments where their perspective feels really treasured and invited in. So I'm curious what the difference then is between a mirror and a projector, because as you first said mirror, I was thinking about someone I know who people have such huge reactions to her that she doesn't try to elicit. She's not trying to piss that person off or trying to make that other person fall in love with her. But people have extreme reactions to her. And I remember and she's very attuned and what. And I remember her saying, I think I'm just a mirror for people. And if they feel like crap about themselves, then somehow just being around me makes them feel like crap. (laughs) Is that what you mean when you say a mirror? Exactly what I mean. It's like they magnify where you are. And so whenever I talk to partners of reflectors, I'm just like, take good care of you. Like I had a session with a reflector last week and she was like, we had this whole conversation where she's like, I feel really stagnant in work. Like things aren't moving. And then like she took a step back. She's like, oh my God my partner feels all those things. Yeah. You know, like it was only through the conversation that she was like, I am just magnifying where he's at, you know? So it's like, it's just important for them to kind of really cultivate that awareness and like healthy detachment to recognize what's theirs and what's not. They're not only magnifying it for the person with them, it's magnified inside themselves as well. Exactly. Oh, that would suck. Well, it's such an amazing gift because when they're around the right people and places, imagine how amazing it can feel. But for a codependent like me, that requires so many boundaries. <laughs> and I think honestly, all of us like need time alone. But I think for reflectors, I always remind them like as important as it is to be around people that uplift them, it's equally important to kind of have space and time to recharge and be in their own space. And I don't know if I'm finished a manifestor piece, but also one last piece I share about manifestors is that like, their energy is going to ebb and flow. These are very disruptive, innovative people. And they like might have spurts where they can make a lot happen over a couple of hours or a couple of days. And then they kind of pull back and rest. And so their job is not to like keep going all the time, but like honor those natural spurts. So that's a little bit of a taste. One of the key differences between a generator and a manifester is that there's more of an ebb and flow, like spurts of inspiration and creation. And then they go into the cocoon a little bit where generators are just burning hot nonstop. (laughs) And again, like generators need rest too. And more specific aspects of your design will kind of reveal those things. But honestly, what will allow you to rest as a generator is if you feel like you've fully expended your energy doing things that light you up. Yeah. You know, whether it's like who you're spending time with, what you're working on. So it's a different kind of flavor. And also manifestors are really good at getting things started, Yeah, but not necessarily maintaining the thing. Whereas generators, like 
they're going to be lit up and they might have continued excitement for a thing if it really continues to light them up. Yeah. And that's something I used to be that way. In the first part of my career, everything was about, I was just following the breadcrumbs of what lit me up. And then as I had a family and financial pressure and just the way the whole machine works once you reach a certain point in your career. Okay. So what are you going to do next? Okay. How about you do this over here? Okay. How about you create that? And then it becomes, well, what do people really want? So create what people want. Right. And then that's what people are always saying to me. And what I've started to do, I would say only in the past year, all of this out of necessity more than I had the intention for years. But, you know, it's not until you have the necessity that you can do these things that are hard. But often the people on my team or I mean, Sam could probably attest to this. I'll be like, you know what? I don't really want to talk that much about sex. And I feel like I know everyone wants to talk about sex, but like, I want to talk about ascension, you know, and moving from 3D to 5D. And they've all been great. Like normally in the past, the people that I surrounded myself with, like my book agent, when I had written Quantum Love was my ninth book, I'd written eight books really specifically about sex and love. And I call her and I say, I want to write this book about using your body's energy and the quantum field to create the relationship you want. And her response was, well, why do you want to do that? You write books about sex. And so I, she let me go off and publish it, get it, find a publisher myself. And she was very cool about it, but she didn't get it. And yeah, I yeah. just decided it doesn't matter. I just have to do what I'm interested in because it's too much torture now. It didn't used to be too much torture, but I think just the way things have evolved and the requirement of the full body. Yes, it's torture to do things that don't light me up. But we all do that, right? I mean, even generators, lots of generators. So it's a tool, right? You're following your human design. And I'm very proud because I, over the past year, it sounds like I've been doing the right things for my design. And I feel the effects of that. I definitely do. I feel no conflict in my life and I feel in flow and you know things are easy and I know that's how they're supposed to be. But Lord knows I had to go through a lot of freaking growth experiences before that. But if you don't want to go through those things, right? So the human design is a tool for you. Yeah. Right. To understand how you can best be supported and how you best work and how you best create and how you stay in flow the most. But are there, do people just come with to you with like, okay, I just want to know what my human design is, or are they coming with, I'm having trouble in my relationship and maybe understanding my human design and my partners, or I'm having trouble with my child. It's both. You know, I think that like one of our primary offerings is just like a kind of a book all about you and your design. So like, that's the perfect place if you're like, I just want to learn about me. And like, and also have a manual that I can just keep returning to. I think that I also do offer sessions. And that one is so, that's so much more based on like, what is happening in your life? And how can you kind of use your design to move out of resistance in that area into flow? Because often when we're experiencing a lot of resistance, like we're, there's a thing about us that we're not totally honoring. And I think with human design, like as you're experiencing, like I'm actually rarely telling people anything new. I'm not like telling this foreign language. I'm just giving them a framework to be like, oh, that is how I operate. And like, because I've already done work on myself, I know that. And you're just validating it. And often if you haven't done that work on yourself, it's so instructive because people just know they're in pain and they're unhappy and they feel stuck or they feel drained or they feel 
depressed or whatever, and they don't realize that they're in this case, you know, there's so many different languages to speak and tools to use, but in the case of human design, that they're not living according to their design. hundred percent. So every type will have a strategy in human design. So your strategy as a generator, and this will be true for manifesting generators too, is about letting things come to you. Like as powerful as, as your energy is at making things happen, you're not really like designed to like sit at home and like come up with the next thing out of thin air. Like you are meant to be being busy doing what you love and just seeing what shows up that excites you. And once you get lit up, then you go make that thing happen. So like, and even in the way that you discovered human design where Sam brought a thing to you and you're like, mm, feels good. You know, like yeah. you're just here for things to show up in your world, light you up, and then you go make it happen. It's not about being invited into things because it could be like, you're, you know, listening to a podcast or on Instagram and you like come up across something that excites you. So then you like lean into it. But it's just like waiting for a thing to show up in your world. And so this is kind of about your magnetic nature and not chasing. I'm a chaser. I don't mean to be because I also believe in in my ma- in our ability to magnet to all of us. I believe we attract in things too. But if I'm excited about something or if I see someone doing something, I won't wait for them to find me. I will reach out to them. But that is different than what I used to do, which was what's next. Exactly. So now it's like, oh, this is, I'm just following the breadcrumbs of joy. And this over here is really interesting. So this is where I'm going to go. Even if it doesn't make sense to anyone else, it makes a lot of sense to me. But I went to equine therapy not long ago. And the woman is so wonderful. And I was reminding her of this, of going with my son for equine therapy. I took my little tween. He was a young teenager at the time. I told her, I, she said, what's your intention? I was like, I just want to connect more with him. He is my baby, my youngest. And he now is starting that phase of you suck and you're an idiot and I don't want anything to do with you. And he's never been like that. And I know he needs to be like, he doesn't want to see me, talk to me, connect with me at all. And so what she had us do was bring this horse without a halter or lead just with our energy intention and request get them to come across the paddock to you, step into this little ring and step up on a box. And it was an untrained horse, you know, and I'm calling, come here, baby, don't you? And it was not coming. It's not coming. It came right away to my son, but it's not coming to me. And the woman said, how are you feeling right now? And I was like, I really want him to come. I forget exactly how she put it, but she basically was like, do you see the way you're so attached to the outcome and he must come and you need him. Do you see how you need him to come? What would happen if it was a request rather than a requirement for you to be okay, you know, or for you to have your need met? And it's fine whether he comes either way, but you're requesting. And as soon as I did that, okay, he comes right up and steps onto everything. And it taught me miles of therapy in that moment about how to handle things with my son. But clearly it's my nature. I'm now it's my design. You want to like, come on, don't you want to come play? Totally. And it's just like, it really is just like trusting that things will come. And I also love the distinction you offered earlier, where it's like, if you see somebody or you see a thing that you're really excited by and your gut's pulling you towards it, go after the thing. It's just about kind of like, it's about chasing and pursuing the thing once your gut gives you a full-bodied yes. And not because you're like just trying to fill the space and like figure out in your head what you should do next. Yeah. I don't do that. I'd spent years doing that. I, that's exhausting. You've done it. You're over it. Yeah. Yeah. And when it comes to the full-bodied yes, you're what we call a gut 
or sacral trust your gut authority in human design, which means that you're designed to make decisions in the moment based on your gut feeling. Yeah. Thing that you offered is so perfect. Like if, and this is not true for everyone. Like if you're not getting a full body gut, yes, it is either not the right thing or it's not the right time yet. And so for you, it's like either a full body yes or like not now, you know? And I think a way that Sam can be really supportive is like, it's good for people to ask you specific questions to help you connect to your gut. And so instead of asking like, Hey, like, what do you want to do next? Or what do you want to do about this? I would like suggest Sam, you want to reflect on this, ask, like, do you want to do this or this? Like, do you want this guest? Do you want to go out for dinner, cook at home? Like when specific options are presented to you, my guess is that you can really kind of drop out of your head and like very quickly into your gut feeling. Yeah, we do that. Right, Sam. And you let me say she doesn't fight me when I say no. And I also often say uh, yes. And I also often say, oh, I like this person. Let's get them on. Right, Sam. I, I let you know my full body yeses. Yeah, you do. Absolutely. It's very fun and easy. I like providing options too. So yes. <laughs> yeah. Projectors are good at giving options. She does give good options, but it's true. It's interesting because if I had talked to you a year and a half ago, I was in a very different place for decades, for most of my life. And it's interesting when you think about it. And I think this is one of the ways that human design can be really helpful to people because you know, we have this design and this way that we work best and process and create best but we often grow up in families and have different kinds of trauma that sort of impede what works best, right? So if we're talking about the gut reaction, I didn't listen to my gut. I would from time to time, but I grew up with an extreme narcissist where it wasn't safe to hold on to my truth. So I never trusted my gut from the time I was probably three years old. I literally, it would drive my husband crazy because we would make an agreement about some place we wanted to go or some decision we were making. And I'd happen to read something or talk to someone who would give me another opinion. So there was no being in your gut. And also, if you have a lot of trauma, which obviously a lot of people do, you learn to leave your body a lot, right? Or if you have a lot of big emotions that you don't like to be with, you leave your body a lot. So to learn to like not only trust your gut, but to be in your body enough to feel your gut is something that we're all born with, but it's something that most of us have conditioned out of us by our emotionally immature parents upbringing us at best or toxic abusers at worst or trauma or whatever. Is there a way to use this in reverse where it's used to facilitate and not only as a tool for yeah, unwinding that. I think my experience is that often we're, and it depends obviously on our childhood and, and what the circumstances were or are, but I think that like often we live our design quite purely when we're young because it's just like what we know, it's who we are. And then as we get older, we get really conditioned out of it, whether it's not trusting your gut, whether it's like trying to be a doer, like Sam and I trying to be a doer in a world where we're not trying to be doers. And then then we discover human design and it kind of reminds us of like, oh, that's it. That's like the true nature underneath it all. So it really takes time. I think when I discovered I was a projector, like I was living the opposite of it in every single way. And so I think human design offers a lot of tools, both through our decision-making and through our strategies and through our types and through so many other areas in our design that give us tools to kind of start to release the ways of being that actually are not authentic and natural to us and step into the ones that are. And it takes time. Like I'm eight years into this, still many days where I'm like, I want to be a generator. Like, I'm just like trying to be a thing that I'm not, you know? And so like, 
it really, it takes time. And I think that like my reminder is just to be patient. It's human design is not a thing to master. It's like a lifelong journey, but it gives you an awareness system of how you operate best so that you can start to be so cognizant and when you're kind of working against your nature versus when you're really kind of flowing with it. Yeah. When you're working against your design. I like that. I'm going to use that with my, with people when they get annoyed. I'm it's just not in my design. I'm sorry. So another piece of your design that I think might be useful is an aspect called not self and signature. And basically what it means is that every type in human design will have a signal that reveals whether you're on track or off track. Ooh. As a generator, I'll give you guys examples of you and Sam. And so as a generator, to be on track is to feel deeply satisfied. Yeah. To feel like you're dropping a bed. You're like, I just spent my energy today doing things that really light me up with people that excite me. And I just feel like I feel really satisfied with the way that I use my energy and I'm exhausted, but in like the most fulfilling way. And then you kind of wake up energized. To be off track, which is normal and absolutely happens, is to feel frustrated. It can be like, resentful, dissatisfied, things are not flowing, you're chasing after things, it's not happening. So I think for you, it's just becoming aware of like, okay, the areas that I'm really the most satisfied, like what a beautiful signal that I'm like right on track and in the right place. And when frustration starts to come up in a really consistent way, like maybe with your son, like it's a good situation to step back and be like, either like I need to kind of pull my energy back from this thing for a little bit, or I need to re-engage and do it in a different way because the way that I'm doing it is not working. And so frustration is like a signal and an invitation to kind of course correct. Okay. So that's the not self. The frustrated self is the not self. And the satisfied self is the self. Is the most aligned self. Most aligned self. Okay. Whereas for Sam to be on track is to feel successful, appreciated, recognized, valued for who Sam is. To be off track is to feel bitter, not recognized, not appreciated, like feeling like you have so much to share and no one sees it. Not to put you on the spot, Sam, this is mine too. But I know for me in my own journey, when I start to feel bitter, it's just like a a reflection. I'm like, is this still the right thing for me? Because often like maybe the invitation isn't there anymore. So it's just a really beautiful and simple signal to kind of keep us moving in the right direction and kind of pull the energy of things, pull the energy out of things that are no longer for us and into the things that are. I think it would be so cool to do that in businesses. I'm sure people do. Yep. You can see the kind of feedback your employees benefit from and group dynamics. And yeah, that would be really interesting. So I'm going to have to get my husband's, I obviously know his date and place, but I don't know the time he was born. And in fact, I didn't know the time I was born until probably two years ago. I finally found a baby book where my mom had written it down, but it wasn't on my birth certificate for some reason. I'll have to get my husband's. I want to see what he is. But I think it's a really interesting. And what I like about it, too, is that you can just dip your toe in this, right? Like you were saying at the top of our conversation, if you go to humandesignblueprint.com, you could just run it yourself, right? But you won't necessarily know and understand all the levels of it. And so if people want to take a deeper dive into that, and I know you have an offering for our our tribe here too. Human design can feel like a lot of information, but exactly like you said, like you can just dip your toe. You know, it's like often the simplest information around your type and how you make decisions can be incredibly useful and transformative. So I have an offering called the blueprint, which is basically like a book all about your unique design. It's 55 plus pages that kind of walks through everything we talked about today and so much more, you know, a lot of people get it for their kids. They're like, how does this person operate differently than me? How can I support them? And, and how do I best operate? And I think it's really such a good reminder of like, this is how I operate best. And these are all the tools that kind of keep me in. And it's really meant to be very practical, accessible and empowering. So 
Is there a discount, like a word that you like to use? Let's use love. Love. So the discount code will be love. So that, that's a great place to get started. I also offer partnership family sessions, family sessions, team sessions, but that's a really good place to get started. So they get a discount if you use the code love when they check out. Yes, exactly. You got that, guys. Just need love and you get a good deal and your human design dived into. Yes. Thank you so much for joining us, Erin, and for the beautiful work you do in the world. And I'm going to let you know when I find out what design my husband has. You can get your blueprint at humandesignblueprint.com. 